United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. You know, if you go back to January of this year, President Trump was getting questions about Iraq um, and and what the United States was going to do or not well, do. Well, it's something that I want, too. I mean, eventually they have to be able to defend themselves and take care of themselves. And it's something ultimately that I want to see. We don't want to be there forever. We want to be able to get out. I didn't want to be there in the first place, to be honest, and everybody knows that. That is President Trump speaking in January. Well, here we are now where they have launched the Iraq-U.S. or U.S.-Iraq strategic dialogue since October of 2019. The country has had a lot of crises, protesters hitting the streets last fall, wanting an end to corruption, among other things. Several attempts to form a new government have failed. The U.S. airstrike killed Iranian Commander Qasem Soleimani, as you know, at the beginning of the year, uh, and that ratcheted up tensions. Beginning this month, though, the U.S.-Iraq strategic dialogue, as according to our next guest, presents an opportunity for the two countries to reset relations and advance mutual interest and stability in Iraq. Joining us is Sarhang Hamasayi, Director of Middle East Programs at the United States Institute of Peace. He is tweeting at Sarhang, S-A-L-A-R. Sarhang, welcome back. Thank you for being on POTUS today. Uh, thank you, Tim. Good to be back. This has been a rather complex, shall we say, six months since the president said the words we just heard him say. And obviously, as I just noted, a lot has happened what for people so we understand what exactly is the us iraq strategic dialogue uh well uh it is supposed to be a process where the two countries uh talk to each other at the strategic level within the framework of what's called the strategic framework agreement um between the two countries sfa is the acronym that's uh, often used uh, it was signed in 2008 um it covers uh, and uh, diplomatic areas, security, um, economic, and cultural cooperation. Uh, and uh, obviously, at the immediate uh, stage, uh, there are issues between the two countries were uh, related to the presence of the U.S. troops uh, and um, uh, other issues that have been uh, matters of tension between the two countries um, and, and under the previous government. Iraq now has a, a new government uh, just over... A month now, and uh, those issues relate to uh, uh, Iranian-backed groups attacking uh, uh, Iraqi bases that host uh, uh, U.S. and coalition troops. Attacks against the U.S. embassy. Um, uh, so, and then uh, the criticism from the United States against Iraq, not uh, limiting Iranian influence in the country and not setting its economy free from. Uh, uh, Energy imports from Iran, as you know, um, Iran is under U.S. sanctions. So there is a there's a range of uh, issues that the countries have uh, uh, tensions over. And so these dialogues present uh, an opportunity for uh, addressing those, but really focus the relationship between the two countries over the long term on uh, an Iraq centric uh, policy, because for most of the past uh, few years, the conversation about Iraq has been in the context of uh, fighting the terrorist organization ISIS and uh, countering Iranian influence in Iraq and in the region. So what what would be a priority right now? Obviously, you know, stability in the region is the ultimate goal, and there would be a desire for, um, you know, less upheaval and so on. But, I mean, are there is there a, a sort of a checklist of things that could happen in a particular order that might improve the situation? 
Right. So there are uh, different views on this. Um, obviously, an immediate matter is the, uh, the presence and the safety of U.S. troops um, uh, in Iraq, uh, which uh, the U.S. Uh, has signaled that it, is int- it wants to draw down and uh, withdraw those troops because the campaign against ISIS has been winding down. The military defeat has been declared for two, uh, over two years now. Um, uh, but there has been uh, concerns about uh, ongoing threats and resurgence of ISIS. So uh, the United States is being advised by experts in this country and around the world that it should not uh, repeat the 2012 experience, 2011 experience and withdraw prematurely to leave a security gap and a political gap that would be exploited by ISIS, by Iran and others. So that's an immediate concern. Obviously, on the other side, Iraq is under a lot of pressure um, from Iran and uh, its uh, allies in Iraq to use the dialogues to put pressure on the United States to withdraw uh, uh, its troops and limit U.S. influence there. So uh, these two competing um, uh, agendas uh, pressing on the Iraqi government, and the Iraqi government is really embarrassed in this because they have not been able to prevent attacks on the U.S. troops, and they have not been able to uh, stop U.S. response. And uh, so it's a, it's a quite difficult moment. But then, so that's, people think that this should be the immediate uh, concern. And my view and others, uh, uh, that of others, is that if you start there, then uh, you may uh, face a big challenge at the beginning. Rather than tackle that, open the door for a broader relationship and, and tackle this after you set the stage uh, for it. Um, but uh, I think uh, as long as attacks continue on the U.S. troops, and they have been um, in the past few days and weeks and months, uh, that could uh, apply pressure. Now talks have been set for July in person, if uh, COVID-19 allows. Um, uh, we will see. Uh, but uh, it has been a positive start so far. Last question. Uh, the government obviously has changed. We have a new prime minister, but uh, like his predecessor, Mustafa al-Kadimi is now an unelected official, correct? I mean, does that help or not help the situation? Well, uh, it's, a, it's definitely, it definitely helps that Iraq has a new government under Mustafa, uh, Mustafa al-Kadimi. Uh, because, uh, as I said, it, uh, the relationship between the two countries with the previous government was not uh, going well. And uh, in the Iraq context, having a new prime minister breaking a political stalemate um, that was uh, going on for months after the, demonstra- the demonstration started in October, as you mentioned, uh, is also a, a positive uh, step. Uh, obviously, there's a lot on the plate for Mr. Calvamy and his government um, uh, related to uh, responding to the coronavirus and economic uh, crisis and financial crisis um, by plummeting oil prices, continuing threat of ISIS, the Iranian uh, challenges on the agenda. Uh, he is um, obviously uh, quite challenged. He needs uh, all the help that he can get from the United States, the international community, and the Iraqi people. Uh, and this is, a, the, this is another opportunity uh, where if the Iraqis can go past the grid, political gridlock of the past few months uh, to rally around uh, this new prime minister. Obviously, Iraq's history does not uh, support this in a promising way, but uh, I think the opportunity is there. And the prime minister seems to follow a different style so far where he wants to be more active than his predecessor. So this gives the opportunity and uh, provides hope. But there are plenty of challenges. Sarhang Hamasaid, thank you for joining us on POTUS this morning.
Thank you, Tim. Sarang Amasi, Director of Middle East Programs at the United States Institute of Peace, latest developments in the U.S.-Iraq strategic dialogue. What will happen next? We'll have to wait and see. He is tweeting at Sarhang Salar at S-A-R-H-A-N-G-S-A-L-A-R. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.